Well, good morning to you. If you have a Bible, please turn to uh, the book of Daniel. Book of Daniel, chapter 6. The book of Daniel, chapter 6. We'll be looking in just a few minutes here at verse 10. And once again here this morning, we'll be looking at quite a few verses and hitting um, several of them pretty quickly. So uh, for your convenience, we'll go ahead and put all the verses on the screen this morning, even this uh, Daniel verse here in just a minute after I set it up. If you want to try to turn to all the verses in your Bible, you're welcome to, or you can just look up uh, to the screen here. Daniel 6, verse 10. Let's pray before we get started. Well, Father in heaven, we just turn to you again in the name of Jesus. And we just pause here and acknowledge our complete need of you. Lord Jesus, you say in the word that apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we just pause to remember that. Apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. We can do nothing. We can definitely do nothing that would be of any spiritual good in any way. Nothing of any eternal value whatsoever. So we just look to you, Father. We look to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We look to you, Holy Spirit. And we ask for your help as we, as we open this word. We believe, Father, that you have um, breathed out this book, inspired by you. It contains your very DNA. And as we open it and read it, um, if enlightened by your Spirit, we can somehow know you through this book and know you better through this book. And so, Lord, when we pause and we, we open the book here now, we, we don't want to rely upon our own strength to be able to know you. So we just look to you and ask, Father, would you help us? We ask Jesus that you would help us to know you better. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are so, so merciful to everyone who cries out to you for help in any way. So we just ask you, Jesus, a good and kind and gracious, merciful Savior, to help us now, to help us in the Word. And Lord, as we think this morning again about prayer, we just ask that you would even more this morning open up this mystery of prayer to us. There's so much about prayer that we don't understand. We know your disciples, Jesus, they just looked to you and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And so we just look to you now, Father. Look to you, Jesus, and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Will you teach us how to pray? I just ask, Father, that you would stir up this local church to be a body of believers who pray. And Father, if there's one area where we are strong, it would be in the secret place of prayer. And Father, I know if we're strong there, we'll be strong elsewhere. So Lord, will you please stir us up to pray. Teach us this morning. Help us, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we are continuing this morning um, on again with our sermon series on the subject of prayer. Prayer is, is simply one of the, the most important elements of the Christian life. 
Prayer is just absolutely vital for Christians, for everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Prayer is just absolutely vital for the health of individual Christians. Prayer is absolutely vital for um, Christian churches, for um, bodies of believers like this one here. Your health as a Christian, your health as a Christian will depend to a large degree on your prayer life. If you are a prayer, you will just, um, um, for the most part, be much more healthy than a believer who is not a prayer. Believers will, believers who pray will simply be uh, more filled with the Spirit, more, more empowered, more emboldened by the Spirit. You, you will simply produce, I believe, more of the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Uh, theologians for ages have said that prayer is one of the primary means of grace in the Christian life. Prayer is one of those primary um, ways through which God strengthens you with more grace as a believer. Prayer is just vitally important, and we want to learn how to pray here in this uh, CRC family we have here. So I've been preaching on prayer. I've been encouraging all of us as we've gone along here in this series uh, to begin right now to pray more in our lives. Please don't wait for the end of this series to begin to pray, because prayer is something that you learn by doing. Donald Whitney, in his, his excellent book, Spirit disciplines for the Christian life, Donald Whitney says, he says, if you've ever learned a foreign language, you know that you learn it best when you actually have to speak it. The same is true with the foreign language of prayer, he says. There are many good resources for learning how to pray, but the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. And Andrew Murray, famous South African minister back in the 1800s, he was the uh, author of another great book on prayer called With Christ in the School of Prayer. Andrew Murray said, quote, reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures and talking about prayer is very good, but it will not teach you how to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but that won't teach me to play an instrument. You learn how to pray by praying, end quote. Keys to the good prayer life, which I mentioned several times, they are practice and they are perseverance. You just have to practice praying and you have to persevere in your practice of praying. And over time, the Holy Spirit then teaches you how to pray. So just continue um, all of us to encourage, uh, continue to encourage all of us uh, just to keep praying as we go along here. And let me just quickly remind you uh, why we pray as believers. You always want to remember as a Christian why you pray. You will always want to remember as a Christian to pray with a gospel motivation and not any sort of legalistic motivation. So, so let me remind you of a gospel motivation to pray. Uh, you don't pray as a Christian in order to be saved or in order to be more accepted or, or more loved by God. No, the only reason why God saves you, the only reason why God loves you and, and accepts you is 
Jesus. Jesus lived. He, he, he died to save sinners like you and me. And man, the second you truly repent of your sins in this life, you turn away from your sin, you cling to Christ in faith. The second you do that, you are saved You are accepted fully by God and you are now loved by God with an infinite, eternal love that will never, ever change. So you do not pray as a Christian in order to be saved or to be accepted or to be loved by God. No, you pray as a Christian because you already are saved. You already are accepted. You already are loved by God. You are a child of God and God your Father asks you to pray. As a believer, I love you, child, through Christ. Now pray, pray, pray. And when God tells you as a Christian to pray, God is, God is basically laying out for you the pathway to health as a Christian. It's like you have two different pathways set out in front of you as a believer. One is the path of much prayer. One is the path of very, very little prayer. And if you choose the path of much prayer as a believer, you you will simply be healthier in your Christian life. More filled with the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. Emboldened by the Spirit. More the fruits of the Spirit in your life. You will will experience more more of the, the fullness of life that God plans for you as his child. But if you choose to neglect prayer as a Christian and you choose that path of weak or very little prayer, you will be more unhealthy as a believer. You will simply be weaker, more anemic as a Christian, impoverished in any way, in many ways, just not really tapping into the the fullness of life that God has for you as a believer. It is critical, this, this, this thing called prayer in the Christian life. God wants you to pray. So we've been looking at this subject of prayer. We've already looked at prayer here in this series from a number of different angles. And this morning, I want to think for a minute with you about when to pray as a believer. If God wants us to pray as Christians, when do we do that? And I want to think primarily here this morning about personal prayer, your individual prayer life as a believer. I'll talk in a few weeks about corporate prayer, praying with other believers, but this morning I want to think primarily about personal prayer. When do you pray as a Christian? And I think God says a couple things to us in the Bible about when we should pray. We're going to look at just one of them this morning. We'll look at the other one next Sunday. Today, we're just going to think about praying at set times. You schedule a particular time or times in your day when you will give yourself to focus concentrated prayer. We'll think today about praying at set times, and next Sunday we're going to think about praying at any time. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. So we'll look next week about just praying throughout the day. What might, what might that look like in your Christian life? So let's think here this morning uh, just for a little while about praying at set times. Just, just as a Christian, just blocking out in your life on a regular basis, uh, 
daily basis, if you can, particular set times when you will give yourself to focused, concentrated prayer. These set times of prayer. And some of those set times of prayer, you, you might pray with other believers at, a, at, a, at a, a corporate prayer meeting or something. We have a Wednesday morning prayer meeting, so that maybe that's a set time of prayer for you. But on many other occasions, you're just going to pray by yourself. You set a time and you, and you block it out, and, and you're going to spend some time in focused prayer. And I think God would encourage every believer here to do that, to pray at set scheduled times throughout the week. Now, you won't necessarily find God telling you in the Bible to do that in those exact words. You won't find God saying, thou shalt pray at regular set times throughout the week. But listen, what you do find in the Bible What you do find, maybe you don't find God saying that exactly, pray at set times during the week, but what you do find in the Bible are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people who model that type of prayer life for you. All over the Bible, all kinds of people who are setting aside time for focused concentrated prayer. They stop their other activities and they give themselves to prayer for a time. Sometimes maybe praying corporately with other believers, but many times just praying privately. The people have got all all over the Bible modeling this pattern of praying at set or scheduled times. We can see it clearly in the Old Testament books. Prayers at the temple For instance, in the Old Testament, people gathered at the temple every morning and evening to pray, along with the giving of the morning and evening sacrifices at the temple. Set times there at the temple, people of God would go to the temple, not all the people of Israel, but many people in the area would go to the temple and be there for those set times of prayer. And most individual Jews back in the Old Testament days, most individual Jews actually prayed at three set times every single day. They prayed at morning, they prayed at noon, they prayed in the evening. We see Daniel doing that right there in the book of Daniel. Just to set this up here, Daniel was living in Babylon at the time. He was in exile with the rest of the people of God. And and, uh, look at Daniel 6.10 here. This is a story of Daniel and the lion's den in Daniel chapter 6. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem... Daniel got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So so we see with, with Daniel this regular ongoing pattern of set daily times for prayer, morning, noon, and evening. And I think we can see the same pattern here with David, Psalm 55, 16. This is King David, and David says, but I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening, and morning, and at noon, 
I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. And that right there seems to indicate that King David, like, like most of the Jews in his day, King David also followed that pattern of prayer at three set times every day. That was the pattern for most Jews back then. Listen, I am not saying today at all that, that you have to pray three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. That's not what I'm saying. You're never going to find that in New Testament books. Thou shalt pray morning, noon, and evening. What I do want you to see, however, is a pattern with the people of God where they pray, not just haphazardly as they go through the day, but they give themselves every single day to set times of focused, concentrated prayer. I want you to just see that pattern. They prayed many times maybe with other Jews at the temple or the synagogue, or they just prayed on their own in some private, secluded place. And the people of God didn't just do that back in the Old Testament days. If you look at the pattern of, of Christians in the New Testament days, you, you see the same type of thing. These, these Christians praying at what looks like set or scheduled times. I think you can see it here in Acts 2.42. Luke writing here, he says, he's talking about the early believers. He says, and they, the early believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or to the word of God. They devoted themselves to the fellowship or to community with one another. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That could have been meals in one another's homes. Could have been the Lord's Supper. And what else? They devoted themselves to the prayers, Luke says devoting themselves to the prayers, and most commentators believe that that phrase there, the prayers, it was a reference to those formal Jewish prayer times. And, and, and they think that what Luke was saying here, that these new Christians, as they had done when they were Jews, they continued to devote themselves to prayer every single morning, noon, and night, either in public or in private prayer. And I think we can maybe see that here with Peter and John. This is Acts 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, or 3 p.m., which would have been that afternoon or evening prayer time. And they were most likely going up to the temple together to pray in that evening prayer time. I think we can see it probably here in Acts 10, 9. This is Peter. Now Peter's all by himself. Acts 10, 9, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, which was at noon. So Peter now praying alone at that set noontime hour of prayer. So even in the New Testament, I think we can see this, this same general type of prayer pattern. Christians praying at regular, daily, scheduled times, either alone or together. Not just praying haphazardly throughout the day as situations arose, but praying at set times. Times of focused concentrated prayer, setting other things aside, pushing the world away, gathering together or by themselves in private places to focus on 
prayer. And once again, I don't think in any way that means believers today are required to pray every morning, noon, and night. But I do think we see a very clear pattern in the Word of God that is very good for believers today to follow. And that is a pattern just of of some type of, of, of scheduled daily, if you can, I think, scheduled prayer. A, t- a time or times every day when, when you stop what you're doing, you give yourself to concentrated, focused prayer. You don't just pray haphazardly as things come your way during the day. Yes, that's good. We'll talk about that next Sunday. But I think there's a very clear pattern in the Bible where the people of God also pull aside at set times to focus on prayer. And we can see that same type of pattern, I believe, even in the life of Christ. Jesus gave himself regularly to concentrated prayer at certain times in his life. He would stop everything else he was doing and he would focus on prayer. And it could have been corporately or it was all by himself. Jesus went to the synagogues regularly and he was for sure participating there in the prayers that were taking place in the synagogue. But Jesus, we also see him many times in the Bible, withdrawing frequently to pray by himself a time of personal concentrated prayer. Here's a couple instances. You look at Mark 1.35. And rising very early in the morning... While it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So there's Jesus withdrawing by himself early in the morning for a time of personal concentrated prayer. Or Matthew 14, 23. And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came... He was there alone once again for Jesus, a time of focused prayer, or Luke 6, 12. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So again, just this time for Jesus, a personal, concentrated prayer. Now, listen, we we don't know for sure that Jesus did that type of thing every day, but I would be willing to bet that he did. Maybe not going up on a mountain or out into a desolate place every day to pray. Maybe it was just Jesus in the corner of the room while the disciples are still asleep over here and Jesus is giving himself to concentrated, focused prayer. But whether or not Jesus did it every day, just notice that Jesus did it regularly. These times of focused prayer, sometimes in the synagogues, but on many occasions all alone, he just dropped everything else he was doing and he prayed. So man, we can just clearly see that type of pattern all over the Bible. Jesus and the people of God giving themselves regularly to these set times of concentrated, focused prayer. And even though God never commands us to do that in those exact words, we see it modeled and it seems then that for every believer today, man, it would probably be a very, very good and healthy practice to aim to do that, to set aside time where you are going to 
either get away by yourself or you're going to get with the people of God and you are going to focus on prayer. You, you stop everything else that you're doing. You don't pray in the car on the way to work. That's not what we're talking about here. You don't pray at work. You don't pray while you're texting. Yes, those are all good things. Praying on the way to work is fine. Praying while you're texting is fine. Praying at work is great. But if that's all you're doing, I think you're missing it. Because even Jesus didn't multitask all the time when he prayed. Even Jesus, the Son of God, pulled himself away and focused on prayer. And please listen to me. If Jesus, the eternal Son of God, God in human flesh, had to do that, how much more do we? How much more do we? You think about Jesus. He lived every day of his life in constant, unceasing prayer. Everywhere he went, he was in unbroken fellowship with God the Father. No matter what came up in his life, yes, he was praying as the day went along. But Jesus didn't stop at that. No, Jesus also withdrew on many, many occasions by himself to focus in prayer. And man, if Jesus found it necessary to do that, how much more do we need to do that? To stop regularly. Push everything aside. Push distractions aside. Put your cell phone aside. Turn the TV off. And pray. Focusing in prayer. Let me ask you, how many Christians do that? How many, how many believers do it? Do you do it? Did you do it before the sermon series started? <laughs> how many Christians do that? Don't you think many, many Christians are probably content just to, well, I pray without ceasing. I pray throughout the day. But that's not the only pattern we see in the Word. We also see withdrawing for a time to pray at set times, a focus on prayer. And man, if Jesus needed it, I think we need it. And I believe very strongly that God would encourage every single believer here to follow a similar type of pattern, giving yourself regularly to set times of focused prayer. And I personally believe, man, that the believers on this planet who do that will on the average be much, much healthier than those who don't. Simply because those believers who pray regularly at set times, they are regularly availing themselves of one of the primary means of grace. And when you are pulling aside to pray on a regular basis, God is filling you with grace. Grace to overcome. Grace to persevere. Grace to love other people. Grace to go out boldly on mission. When we are pulling ourselves aside for a time and praying, God is supplying us with more and more daily grace. And if you are not doing that, if you are just praying kind of haphazardly whenever you think you should pray you're probably going to be much, much weaker. Your tank of grace will probably run much lower than other believers, and you will be weaker. It does not matter how much you know. It does not matter how much you know. 
That's a great thing, to know the Bible and be able to discuss theology and memorize the Bible backwards and forwards. But listen to me. If you are not setting aside time for concentrated, focused prayer, I believe, doesn't matter what you know, you will be a weak believer. You will be fearful. You'll be more scared. You'll you'll be more self-centered, most likely. It will just tend in that direction. I think a regular set time of prayer for a believer, man, I think it's like oxygen. It's like food for the soul. You just will not be very healthy without it. You just can't be. I think God would encourage all of us to begin to pray at set times throughout the week. Daily, if you can, scheduled times of prayer, either alone or with other believers. Listen, you won't hit it every day. You won't. You will miss days, and that's okay. Don't get legalistic about it. But, but, but it's a committing to it. It's a committing to it and, and asking God to help you with it, and God will bless you through it. And listen, at, at those set or, or scheduled times of, of prayer in your life as a believer, the, those times when you're planning to pray alone as a a believer. I think God would encourage you to look to pray in a relatively private or secret place. Jesus actually talked about praying and lifting up our personal prayers in a secret place. Jesus frequently went out by himself to desolate places, up on a mountain to pray, a secret kind of private place to pray. And Jesus told his original disciples to do the same type of thing, to pray their personal prayers in a secret place. And and in their day, if you kind of think of the day in which the disciples were kind of learning to follow Jesus, in their day, the the hypocritical religious leaders, many of them, when when they would offer their personal prayers to God, well, they do it right out in a public place, in the temple or standing on a street corner, and they do it loudly so that everybody could hear them, and they did it like that because they wanted people to look at them and think they were holy. It was completely hypocritical, praying with pretense. It was just a bunch of, a bunch of show, and so Jesus taught his disciples to pray a little differently. Here it is, Matthew 6, 5. Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, disciples, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, disciples, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And just picture Jesus speaking that to you now. When, when you pray, disciple, when, when you pray, and you're going to enter some time of personal concentrated prayer, the set time, go into your room, shut the door, Jesus says, and pray. A secret or private place. Just, just you and, and God, not out in public showing off for other people. In private, you and God go into your bedroom maybe like Daniel did. 
Or go up on a rooftop like Peter did. Or go up on a mountain somewhere like Jesus did. Some type of more secret or, or, or private place. A quiet place. Man, where you, you, you can shut the world out and you can just be yourself in prayers. You can be yourself when you're there. You don't have to show off or show up for anybody. Nobody's there to look at you or judge you. Just you and God. And Jesus says, pray to your Father who is in secret. So man, there may not be any other person there in secret with you when you pray, but Jesus says your Father is there with you in secret. Pray to your Father who is in secret. And Jesus says there that your Father who sees in secret, your Father will reward you. And man, elsewhere in Matthew 6, Jesus says, your Father will reward you openly. So your Father sees every last bit of prayer that takes place in that secret place. He, he hears every word that you utter in that secret place. And Jesus promises here that, that, that when you pray in that secret place, God, your Father, will reward you openly. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Because it takes faith to believe that all by yourself, God is there and He's hearing your prayers and He will reward you openly. That's a promise from the eternal Son of God and Jesus' promises never fail. You pray in that secret place and pray to your Father who's in secret. He sees in secret. He rewards you openly. So when do we pray as believers? Well, man, God definitely wants us to learn how to pray without ceasing as we go through the day. Talk about that next Sunday. But I think God does want to encourage us to set aside particular times for concentrated, focused prayer. Not just a time every day when you read the Bible. (laughs) Reading the Bible is good, yes, Continue to read the Bible, read the Bible every day. But I do think a lot of Christians tend to be deceived into thinking that they pray every day simply because they read the Bible. And I don't think the Word, I don't think God is just encouraging us to read the Bible every day, but to pray. Yes, read the Bible, but man, pray this this, this time, these set times in prayer, giving yourself to prayer. So I want to just get really practical with this thing then for, for a few minutes here. If, if as a believer, you, you are going to, to set aside a time or times every day for focused prayer, what might that look like in your life? What might your personal times of prayer look like? And I actually have no idea what your personal times of prayer will look like because it will probably look different for every single child of God, what happens there in that secret place. Some of you might aim to pray in the morning. Uh, Some of you might aim to pray at night. Some of you might aim to do both morning and night. Some of you might aim to do morning, noon, and night. That's a great, a great practice. Morning has always worked best for me. 
uh, I, I've, I've, uh, that, that's usually when my best times of extended, concentrated prayer. Uh, I also try to pray in the evenings uh, with Molly. We're trying to get better at that. But man, mornings have always been better for me. I'm typically much more alert in the morning. And when I have tried to pray daily in the evenings, uh, my prayers uh, on many occasions just seemed to get bumped frequently by all these things that I hadn't planned. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, a friend calls you and wants to go see a movie with you, or one of your children gets sick. And, and man, you look back at your last seven days, and you realize that, that, that your concentrated, focused times of prayer, you, you had like one of them in, in the last seven days. And, and so, man, for me, morning always seems better. Uh, I would just caution you, if you are going to try to pray at night, I think be aware of those things. Uh, most of us are typically more alert in the morning. You are going to have lots of things come your way in the evenings. If you have little kids, you're tired at night. It's tough to pray. There's a, there's a, a writer, David McIntyre, he wrote a, a great book. It's one of John Piper's favorite books on prayer. It's called The Hidden Life of Prayer. I'd encourage you to get that. David David McIntyre says in his book, The Hidden Life of Prayer, it doesn't matter when you choose to pray every day, but here's the thing, David McIntyre says, we always want to give God our best. So if you're best at night, then give that time to God and focus prayer, David McIntyre would say. But if you're best in the morning, then give that time to God in focused prayer. And when you do pray then, you've got these focused times, these, these blocked out times to pray. When you do pray, I just encourage you to find some sort of secret or private place to pray. And man, a secret place to pray is probably also going to look very different uh, from believer to believer. Maybe it's your bedroom. Uh, that's the only place in the house where you can be alone. It's in your bedroom or, or your wife or spouse is walking through the bedroom, but you're comfortable with that. Or maybe it's a, a couch in the living room or it could be a, a park for you. It could be walking around the pond. I love to pray while I walk. So a lot of times I'll walk the river or, or I'll walk around a pond or something. Just, just find some sort of place, the secret place where, as Jesus says, you can shut the door. You can shut the door from the world for a time. You can shut the distractions of the world out. You can shut it out. You can, you can be yourself before God. A place where you can quiet your soul for a time. Man, we, we, we live, I don't know if you realize this, we live in a day of constant noise. We live in a day of constant noise. So much noise around you every single day. Kids, television, movies, music, talking, laughing, just noisy. And, and many, many people in this world are just plain uncomfortable with silence or with quietness. Man, so many people who can hardly function at all without turning on some kind of background noise. Turning on the TV or turning on music or turn, turning on, on, on um, the radio or something like that. You, you may feel like that when you drive. You, you can't handle the silence. and You've always got to have some sort of noise going. 
We're so accustomed to noise all around us. In, in her book, Finding Focus in a Whirlwind World, Jean Fleming says, We live in a noisy, busy world. Silence and solitude have become very rare in our age of television and video games and joggers wired with earphones. We've become a people with an aversion to quiet and an uneasiness with being alone. Just so much noise in our world. And I think many, many Christians are just accustomed to that noise, uncomfortable without that noise. And, and the problem, though, is I think with many, many Christians, it's not just that the world is noisy around them, but they're constantly noisy in their souls. So even when they do find a time of quiet, their soul is just churning all the time. Thinking about texts and phone calls and friends and movies and TV. Just this constant churning inside. And can't sit for 30 seconds in the quiet without having to get up and find something to do. We're very uneasy with quiet. We have a noisy world. We're noisy in our souls. And man, we need to learn as believers how to quiet our souls before God. The Bible says, be still and know that He is God. The psalmist says, I have quieted my soul like a weaned child. Have to learn to quiet our souls. And man, a secret place of some sort is so good for quieting your soul when you pray. So man, look for that secret or private place where you can pray, where you won't be disturbed all the time by your kids or phone or TV or email. Place where you can pray out loud if you like. And listen, you certainly as a Christian, when you pull aside to pray, you don't have to pray out loud. You know, some of you are just, you're just comfortable praying in your mind. That's okay. I don't know how you do that all the time. But, but, but that's, that's fine. You can certainly pray like that. But listen, there does seem to be a pattern in the Bible of people praying out loud. You know, a lot of the Psalms in the Bible, they were originally prayers. And you know, in most Psalms, you can find this wording that indicates that that Psalm was prayed in an out loud manner. I, I lift my voice to you, O oh God. I cry out to you, O oh God. Incline your ear to me, O oh God. And we've turned a lot of those things into metaphors. And we, well, that's just talking about the soul. I just lift the voice of my soul up to God. And, and I think that's fine. But listen, the psalmists were most likely speaking literally. They were literally lifting their voices up to God in prayer. They were literally crying out to God in prayer. These out loud types of prayers. And Jesus seems to have prayed out loud quite a bit. Do you know, we know today the content 
of his high priestly prayer in John 17, we know what he prayed. Why? Most likely because his disciples heard it. We know what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Most likely because his disciples heard it. Hebrews 5, 7 says about Jesus, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Jesus just praying out loud on many, many occasions. And man, I personally think it's very, very helpful when you do have a time of prayer to pray out loud. Now, you can't do that all the time. Uh, People might think you're crazy if you're out in public somewhere. I actually pray out loud when I walk by the river, by the lake. It's not always loud. It's sometimes just whispering, and people probably do think I'm crazy. But it just helps me. I've just found over the years that when I speak my prayers, the thoughts in my mind just seem more concrete. It it just feels like the things I say to God, they feel like expressions of of faith to me. When When I confess a sin out of my mouth, it lands on me with more gravity when I just think about it in my mind. It it keeps me from wandering in my prayers so much. When I try to pray in my mind, my mind is everywhere. My mind's such a mess on many occasions. And praying out loud just keeps you more ordered and more on track when when you pray. I highly encourage you to do that. Find a secret place will help you. You can pray out loud or you can whisper under your breath to the Lord. And and man, maybe you're sitting there, you think, I don't know where I would pray. I can't find a secret place to pray. You You can make just about any place a secret place for prayer. Now, man, if you're out in public and you just really need to pray, do it in the corner of a coffee shop. I mean, do it. Make that your secret place. Figure it out. I mean, I just put earplugs in because I'm old enough not to care that I look stupid when I put earplugs in in public. I'll put them in in a coffee shop and I will sit there and under my breath pray to the Lord. You can do that in your car, outside of your office or something like that. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, she had 19 children and she almost always prayed at least one hour a day. So those of you who say you're too busy because you have three kids, <laughs> you got no excuse. Susanna Wesley, 19 kids, prayed almost every single day of her life for at least an hour. That's not reading her Bible for an hour. That's prayer for an hour. So she read her Bible. She prayed for an hour. 19 kids, little house, couldn't find a secret place to pray. So what did Susanna Wesley did do when it was time for her to pray? She would pull her apron up over her head. <laughs> and that was her secret place for the day. And her children knew that they were never, ever, 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 ever so supposed to disturb their mother when she was in her secret place of prayer. She asked them to jealously protect for her that, that secret place of prayer. Why? Because she's going to be a much better mother if she gets that time of prayer. She's going to be much better for them, much better in everything she does. So man, block out certain times Every day when you can give yourself to concentrated prayer, find a secret place, whatever, wherever that might be for you, and practice praying. And man, what that prayer time, when you, what you actually say there will look different for every believer. 
Uh, man, I like, when I go to prayer um, in the mornings, I, I almost always read the Word first. I read through the Bible every year, so I read through the Word. I try to pray what I'm reading back to the Lord as I go, but then I'll kind of pause, and I'll, 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 I'll usually read a little passage of, of some sort of prayer book that kind of stirs my heart to pray, and then I will go into just a season of prayer, the Bible on my lap, and, and, and just go into this time of prayer. If I'm out walking, I will have the Bible uh, in my Kindle, in my hand. I'll have a prayer journal with me to write down any thoughts or verses that come to my mind, and I'll just start to prayer to pray. And I would encourage you in those set prayer times, whatever they look like for you, I would encourage you to maybe have um, a couple little outlines or, or 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 guides for your prayer that you can use during those prayer times. You certainly don't have to use a guideline or an outline for your prayers. You, you can just get in there, man, babble like a child, and your father loves to hear your voice. But if you're like me, you will wander a lot in prayer if you don't have some sort of guidance. So it can help to have kind of a guide or an outline. You can just pray through the Lord's Prayer. We'll talk about that pretty, pretty soon. And I also mentioned you several other guides or outlines you could use in your prayer times. These things that would just kind of give you different topics that you could pray about in your prayer time, and you don't have to follow them exactly. You kind of riff off of them as you go, but it it gives you some direction in your prayers. Block out that time, find your place, have a Bible, a journal, maybe a prayer guide, and man, just begin to pray. And man, can I encourage you, if you've not done this, if you've not had set times for prayer, please do not block out one hour for prayer tomorrow. Okay, go ahead and do that, but you won't do it on Tuesday. Block out something that would be manageable for you to start. Block out 10 minutes. Block out 15 minutes. But let me encourage you, don't stop there. Don't be content with 10 minutes in your life, 15 minutes in your life. And I don't think you will be. I think the more you give yourself to set times of prayer, your, your heart will begin to be stirred more for prayer. You'll want to pray longer, and, and you just can't um, help yourself but pray longer. At this point now, I now set aside um, at least an hour every day for prayer. I read the Bible first and then I have that hour at least just for prayer time. Man, I don't say that to boast. For me, it started like five minutes. Uh, but I think the more you pray, the more you're like, wow, this is good. And when you're seeing answers to prayer, you're, you're feeling this closer fellowship with God in prayer and your heart then is stirred up to pray more and more and more. So I'd encourage you that if you've not begun, if you've not that, done that in your Christian life, I would encourage you to do that. You know what that's going to take for you in your Christian life? You, you know what that's going to take to set aside personal times for prayer and, and then actually to pray in those times? You know what that's going to take? Discipline. 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 Good old-fashioned, Holy Spirit-breathed self-control. You will have to die to your love of self-indulgence. You'll have to die to some degree to your love of slumber. You'll have to die to some degree to your laziness, to your slothfulness. It's going to take discipline. And you know what? In our day and age... 
in a lot of Christians' minds, that word discipline is a four-letter word. You start talking about discipline around Christians, and they, 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 they immediately think you're legalistic. Discipline is not legalistic. Discipline is a good thing. A Holy Spirit birthed thing. Very, very good. The Bible says in, in uh, I lost my place. Second Timothy, I believe. You, you, you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Godliness takes discipline. Godliness takes discipline. Let me read a couple quotes to you here. Donald Whitney, who wrote Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, he says, where, let me back up, always fun when you lose your place. It's very humbling. Your pride wants to act like you didn't lose your place, so I just humble, my, humble myself and say, I lost my place. Let me back up. So, discipline is good. Uh, a Holy Spirit breathe thing. Godliness takes discipline. And listen, a daily prayer life takes discipline, and that daily prayer life will lead to godliness. Prayer takes discipline, and prayer leads to godliness. Donald Whitney, in his book, he says, where there is prayerfulness, there will be godliness. And where there's a lack of prayerfulness, there will be a lack of godliness. Charles Spurgeon said, even as the moon influences the tides of the sea, even so does prayer influence the tides of godliness. And J.C. Ryle said, what is the reason that some believers are so much brighter and holier than others? I believe the difference in 19 cases out of 20 arises from different habits about private prayer. I believe that those who are not eminently holy pray little and those who are eminently holy pray much. Prayer will take discipline by the Holy Spirit. Prayer will lead to godliness. Where there's not prayer, where there's a lack of discipline, there will be a lack of godliness. It will take discipline. But man, may the Lord stir you up to set aside times of prayer, either with other believers or by yourself. And God will bless those things for your good and for the good of people around you. Do you know what? If you're a praying person, guess what? It's going to show. It's going to show. You will, over time, have more of the fruits of the Spirit in your life. You'll be more empowered, more emboldened by the Spirit. It will show. And your prayer life will impact your spouse. It will impact your children. It will impact your neighbors. So may God stir all of us up to pray so that we and people around us might be blessed through our prayers. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you. We thank you for um, just your word. We thank you, Lord, for um, just this pattern we see in the word of the people of God praying at regular set times. We do ask, Father, for your help here. Lord, I want to ask you to forgive us for all of the excuses we have made concerning prayer. 
I ask you to forgive us, Lord, for the excuses we've made concerning prayer. Father, when it comes to prayer, we have for too long settled for a juvenile, immature type of Christian existence. And it has shown in our lives. You ask us to pray in the Word. You are a good Father to us in Christ Jesus. What you ask us to do is good for us. It's good for the kingdom of God. We ask you to forgive us for, for, for being lazy in our prayers. We ask you to forgive us for being undisciplined when it comes to prayer. We ask you to forgive us for loving so many other things rather than prayer. Father, prayer we know, it, it, it's just, more important than 99% of the things we do in this life. And yet we are so quick to settle for movies and TV and video games and vacations and entertainment and all of this busyness rather than pray. So Lord, I just ask that you'd stir us up. You'd stir us up by the Holy Spirit. You'd help us, Lord God, to be disciplined when it comes to prayer. Pray you'd help us. You'd show us what it would look like to set aside times for prayer, either with other believers or by ourselves. And Father, you would help us just to begin to pray. Stir us up to do what we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.